Hi everybody, Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. Hope you're doing well. So it is Saturday night. It is the 7th of September, 2019, and we're just about to start a call-in show. Uh, we just did episode eight of my ongoing series on California called Sunset in the Golden State. And it was a very, very powerful episode with Ellen Lee Zhao, who is running for mayor of San Francisco. And um, I hope that you will check it out. It's a great series. You can go to fdrurl.com forward slash CA. That's fdrurl.com forward slash CA to check it out. And also, I just wanted to point out a whole new back of the cow rebranding session is well underway here at Free Domain. There is um, a brand new website and a new URL. So it was Free Domain Radio, and we kind of radio shacked that one up for a while, and now it's just Free Domain. And you can go to freedomain.com to get more information about what's going on in the show. You can sign up for newsletters. There's a tab there for documentaries. You can watch all the videos there, listen to the podcasts. There's information about this, this new call-in show format. I'm still going to do the deep dives with individual callers, but I really do like being able to talk about all of this stuff. And... Uh, what else can you do there? Uh, oh, I've got a blog there. So if you want to read my books, uh, it's been kind of tough to get a hold of the HTML versions, but the books are all there. Uh, and of course, you can go to artoftheargument.com to pick up the Art of the Argument. There's essentialphilosophy.com to get that one. All the other books are free, and Essential Philosophy is free as well. And I hope that you will check out the website. Please uh, do help uh, out with donations. Very, very important. There's a lot of expenses with this kind of stuff. I won't even tell you how much it costs to buy <laughs> The website, uh, urlfreedomain.com, but uh, let's just say I'm down one kidney. So if you could help out, I would really, it's also expensive to produce the documentary series, which is uh, doing quite well, uh, and I would really, really appreciate that. So Free Domain Radio, sorry, <laughs> let me get used to it too, freedomain.com forward slash donate or fdrurl.com forward slash donate. Please share the documentary. Of course, you might want to check out the documentary I did late last year on Poland, that's fdrurl.com forward slash Poland, or you can just go to freedomain.com and you can uh, click on the uh, documentaries tab. All right, well, let's move on to the uh, callers, and uh, we don't have a name for the first one, but uh, CNN Black Burns Christianity, that's, that's what I've got. I'm not sure what exactly that means, but I'm sure you will enlighten me. Can you hear me? Hey, yeah, I'm here. Hi, how you doing? Everyone calls in and there's kind of surprised when they get wait, I'm online? Okay, you're on. I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I didn't think I was gonna get through that quick. Um, I just heard what you said with your, your last video, how you were talking about possibly kind of getting back into Christianity. And uh, I have a son who's five years old and kind of after listening to you, I uh, I kind of started living a life closer to Christian values and uh, it's, it's helped tremendously with, with kind of what you say and, and following more Christian values. I, I just, I feel, uh, I feel like it's giving a far better life for him. And uh, I was just wondering if you could expand on what you meant by, by saying that, because it was such a kind of a short, like, tidbit that you mentioned. And I was just wondering if, if you will. Yeah, you no. So, I mean, this is going to yeah. come out in the next episode where I go into more detail about it. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because it's just going to be a week or so until um, the next one is out. Actually, maybe a little longer if I'm out of, out of, out of town. But um, so very, very briefly, 
earlier on in my philosophical career, I was really, really focused on the metaphysics, which is the nature of reality, and the epistemology, which is the study of, of how we acquire true knowledge, right, and, and facts. Now, not just Christianity, but all religions do not match up with philosophy when it comes to metaphysics and epistemology, which is why there's such a thing as faith and why there's such a thing as philosophy, and these two streams are apart, right? Now, one thing I noticed as I kind of moved on in my philosophical career was that if I put the metaphysics and the epistemology aside, if I look at the politics, what Christians tend to be, historically, small government came out of Christian societies. And I think the reason for that is because God grants Christians, uh, well, grants all of humanity free will. And the more that your free will is interfered with, the less able you are to exercise your God-given choices to achieve morality. Anything that is forced upon you can't get you to heaven. That, that Jesus must be accepted voluntarily, that uh, you must um, do good for the sake of virtue uh, rather than being forced or being coerced. Now, again, I know there's arguments about hell and threats and all and then the flood, but just talking about the voluntary nature that is embedded in Christianity in particular, things have to be freely chosen in order to have any kind of moral content. And so that accords with my politics. Now, what about ethics? Where do I diverge from Christian ethics? Well, universally preferable behavior, I don't think my approach, I think the correct approach to ethics, well, it talks about banning or justifies the banning of the three major evils that beset humanity, rape, theft, assault, and murder. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Oh, thou shalt not bear false witness. It's all been a very important one for me. So where's the big divergence? And the other thing that I've noticed over time is I attacked Christianity uh, in, in terms, not, not the ethics. I, I didn't really go hard on the ethics because there's a lot that I agree with, but in terms of the metaphysics and epistemology, and that's, again, not specific to Christianity. That's all religions. And Christians, what did they, what did they do in return? Did they try to destroy my reputation? Did they threaten me with violence? Did they threaten me with attacks uh, or, or deplatforming, so to speak? No. Christians called in and, and expressed... You think they respected your opinion. They respected my opinion, and even though I was acting in a way that was negative and sometimes hostile, they returned to me with with love. They, they prayed for me, they called in and they talked with me uh, about what they valued and, and they expressed concern and, and caring and I dare say love for my immortal soul. Now, I couldn't help but notice over time that the organizations that attacked me weren't Christians. The people who called in and were positive and friendly online and in person were Christians. The people who attacked me, well, let's just say they weren't Christians. <laughs> That's you know, kind of important. Yeah. So, again, I'm an empiricist, and if the people who are acting in the best, most moral and most noble fashion tend to be Christians, and I would put them even above atheists, 
Atheists, I think, have got religion beat on metaphysics and epistemology. When it comes to politics and ethics, well, frankly, they're just a tiny smidge on the devilish side, let's say, because they tend to side with socialism, communism, and big state, big government. So if the Christians are the best people, if the Christians loved me or love me, even though I attacked the metaphysics and epistemology of Christianity, and if other groups that I actually spent quite a lot of time defending me ended up turning around, uh, sorry, other groups that I spent a lot of time defending ended up turning around and attacking me, well, empirically, it's kind of hard to miss the pattern there. So I am in a conundrum. I am in a, a huge freaking conundrum, which is I cannot abandon the metaphysics and the epistemology. I can't abandon the nature of reality, and I can't abandon the reality of truth, but I'm running headlong into the fact that as an empiricist, Christians are just about the best people around. And yeah. I mean, I, I feel quite moved even just saying that, and this is why I apologize. You know, I just kind of realized that I was basically being both a bully and a coward because, you know, it's really not that courageous to criticize a group that has as one of their foundational edicts to love their enemies. Not, not a lot of risk in that, right? I mean, it's, it's and, and this is one of the challenges I have with Christianity, that Christians are very nice, I think, sometimes for too long. Um, and uh, the love yeah. your enemy stuff, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, have some, <laughs> I have some challenges. Anyway, so I, I don't yeah. want to get into a whole thing because I talk about it in the next show, but um, that's, that's well, kind of I where I'm, I'm kicking at the moment. And, I, you know, I, I could easily just say, oh, I'll just brush this aside. But, you know, I always, I always want to be honest with the audience and with the listeners. And uh, so that is, uh, that is the reality. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for doing what you do. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And uh, keep, keep on listening. And please don't forget to share the show and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, thanks very much for, for calling in. All right. Let us talk about anger. Anger management. Is that the topic uh, on hand, my friend? Hello? Hi. How you doing? Oh, wow. How did I get through? Well, you dial, and then I, I call, click a button. I, I, magic, I called so late, I, I thought I would probably be like the 400th caller or something. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I was calling about uh, Perry Carabello, the actor. I'm not sure that's ringing many him. bells with me, so go go ahead, give me some more details. Oh, yeah, he was a famous actor in the 90s and the star of the Windy City Heat. Still not ringing a bell, but, but, but he, what is it that you wanted to talk about? Oh, anyway, he exhibited um, like extreme anger issues and uh, lots of violent outbursts. And I was just curious about if you had any insights into how someone in his position could be like that, especially with... Uh, All right, hang on, hang on, man. Listen, listen, oh, come on. Can we be frank with each other, my friend? I can't imagine that yeah. getting through to, to me is, is that the number one issue that you want to chat about is some 90s actor with anger problems. Is it you who have anger issues? Is, that, is this like a proxy thing or, or what's going on here? 
No, no, it's just he had very curious about him because he was a a bit of an anomaly and he had oppressed homosexuality that he to this day hasn't realized is uh, now acceptable and that no one cares about that. And I didn't know if that tied into his violent outbursts. Yeah, listen, man, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to move on. I can't possibly figure out how to take a philosophical angle uh, with that. I, I don't know the guy, and uh, that's a bit of a specific knowledge base that I feel I would have to uh, know in order to continue with that. So um, let us talk with Matthew. Matthew, it says here, chat with the van. Uh, so you'll have to break that out for me a little bit more. Can you hear me? How you doing? Hey, man. I can hear you. What's up? I was calling in because I want to um, want to appreciate the, the content that you display for the viewers. I appreciate it. It's very entertaining. <clears throat> Thank you. And furthermore, I just watched your uh, your recent YouTube video. Um, so I had a few questions for you pertaining to the subject matter because I be Wait, do you mean the Sunset and the Golden State male. thing or what? You mean the one that just came out tonight or what? Yes, the one that just came out tonight. All right. Sorry, I don't have the title right in front of me. So. No, that's fine. No, so what I was saying was being a white male in my 30s in America... I was just very confused with a lot of content that you displayed and the interviews that you've conducted thus far, because there seems to be a lot of discrepancies as from what I've experienced firsthand compared to what the truth of the matter really reveals. All right. And so you're going to have to stop. To, I don't if, mean, if, sorry, anybody. Matthew, let me just, let me just give you a tip here. I mean, just, Blast me with the question, man. This, this tiptoeing around stuff is, is you, we're just getting older and I just lost four more hairs. So what is it that you want to hit me with in terms of question or, or comment or criticism? All right. Well, I guess I'll just start off with this, this uh, particular question. When it pertains to immigration policies in this country alone, and I see someone like you from Canada and the one that you just interviewed tonight, the video that was displayed, who happens to be an Asian woman, my question and my concern is is not disputing any immigrant whatsoever, but what is it exactly the focus from everybody from outside of this country, the United States, pertaining to the outcome of the United States? Because real Americans are the ones who are actually suffering. I'm sorry, is, is your complaint that other people seem to be concerned about America? I, I don't mean to be vague or anything pertaining because I know you already said not to tiptoe and everything. So just to be a little bit more elaborate to my question is that you being from Canada or, you know, your original origins and stuff. And like I said, this Asian individual that you interviewed in the, the video, when it pertains to immigration, you have the actual Americans who are actually suffering in this country. And the ploy, the plot, the whole fraud, the scam of it all, the charades, is to basically have the real Americans suffer while everybody else outside of America 
are living life to the fullest. And despite the fact that there might be videos that display another country of people who are claiming to be suffering, but then there's also the Hollywood studio content that's being displayed too. So it's like, yeah, well, it's unfortunate that we see a country from wherever around the world of people that are suffering, but there's also people in this country who are suffering and people that are coming from outside who are taking all the resources from this country like yeah listen you, i mean I, I i sympathize but yeah. I, I don't really know i i think you might not want to punch your allies so to speak i mean you, you seem almost angry at me or or at other people who are concerned about american issues the majority of my audience is american and so i'm going to talk a lot about american issues there's an election coming up here in canada i'll talk about that i've talked about uh, sweden i've talked about south africa france germany the uk i mean uh, brazil you you name it i mean i I like to roam. I, I did a whole documentary in Poland, which I did before I did the one in the States. So America is, um, well, it's the place with the most freedom of speech. So that's where I think a lot of people like to, uh, like to look. And um, of course, America has the most interesting politics, probably that has ever existed in the world, because you have Donald Trump valiantly fighting against the swamp and finding out that the swamp is a many tentacled beast, many of whom seem to be James Comey. Uh, fighting back. So, um, yeah, listen, I, I, I sense your frustration. And I understand your frustration. People in the West are terrified of mass immigration, and, and rightly so, because it's going to overturn in the long run, demographically and statistically, it's going to overturn the freedoms that our ancestors fought for. And um, yeah, Canada's got a huge issue. Canadian immigration is, is per capita four times that of China. Uh, sorry, four times that of China would be okay. It's four times that of France. And it's larger than the US, it's larger than the UK, and it's a huge issue. And only Maxime Bernier is really talking about it. Andrew Scheer is uh, not, uh, in particular, trying to deal with it. Uh, and um, unfortunately, we've just all been silenced because concerns of, of being called racist, concerns about bringing up demographic facts about how immigrants, particularly from the third world, vote and, and what kind of political system they want. Uh, which is uh, no free speech, uh, uh, general socialism, and massive redistribution of wealth. It's, you know, it's terrible. I, you know, this is a problem from, from people. People come from countries that have socialism, and they flee those countries that have socialism. This happens in America to Texas, or from California to Texas as well. They flee those countries that have socialism, and then they come to the West. And then they say, well... I don't yeah, like to be. I don't, don't hang on, hang on, hang on. They, they say, listen, I don't like to be. Sorry, I, I'm going to have to drop this. I'm right, middle, I'm right in the middle of talking here. Sorry about that. So they come to the West and they say, well, listen, I don't really want to be offended. So uh, I don't really like free speech as much. And there's lots of exceptions, but this is the general trend. And, you know, the free market's kind of a burden and a hassle. So I want a nice, soft, cushy welfare state. I want free health care for my grandmother. And I want all my kids to get uh, quality education. And I want free. And, it's just going to turn the West into the countries they fled from. The, the significant caveat being that after the West falls, there's no place else to flee. So, yeah, I'm sorry we couldn't quite get um, into um, a good topic about that, but uh, I'm happy to have you call back at some point. So, we have uh, uh, Jim. Are you, are you on the line here with me? Uh, Jim Bronson, yeah. All right. Let's, let's last uh, name it, too. Are you talking to me? Okay, um, I was I was calling about the sunset in California. I uh, just watched it. It was uh, quite interesting. I had no idea how awful uh, the corrupt 
the city was. But it doesn't really matter. I've, I'm in California right now, and I want the heck out of here as fast as I can possibly get. But amazingly enough, so I'm calling kind of for advice. The um, well, not kind of. That's exactly what I'm calling. The we got robbed. Um, about two and a half years ago, we used to be very wealthy. And if I went into the details of how we got robbed, it would be almost unbelievable. But hey, I got some time, man. I mean, I'm here for for the evening. I'm here for the listeners. If you want to give me the the Reader's Digest version, you're old enough to understand that reference. It sounds like so. Uh, I'm happy to hear. Well, they hit. Uh, we had a nice company. Lived in. Uh, I probably shouldn't say what town, but put it this way. Um, well, I'll just say it. Beverly Hills, we lived there. Um, lived there for quite some time. I also owned some property up in Silicon Valley, where I originally started the company. Um, long story short, I had, uh, I don't know how computer literate you are, but I had, uh, or your audience, I'm going to assume not, but put it this way. We had, I had security, I had uh um, my computer backup systems were all tied together so that if, if there was a, any new information put on a computer in my office in Beverly Hills, or it would update the computers in other towns. Yep. All of these locations were hit simultaneously, including, amazingly enough, my bank, my company's bank account. And what they didn't take, they destroyed. So long so wait, story were, short, were, we lost uh, everything. Is that right? No, no. They physically broke in oh. to all of these locations simultaneously. Which, and um, when I, when you, if you ask who, um, the it, we're pretty sure it's an overseas company that was behind it, kind of a competitor. What? What really puzzled me was the fact that there was really nobody I could turn to. The police did nothing, just like on that uh, that Asian woman you were talking to in San Francisco. Basically, we got a claim number, or not a claim number, a police report number. The FBI wouldn't do anything. The uh, I looked into doing a lawsuit or something. But sorry, go ahead. Um, well, the point is, there's just no law enforcement that's going to help us out. We're pretty well screwed there. So, long story short, we're we're at this point, and I'm not not crying about it. You know, I can rebuild. It'll take a while, especially considering they've nearly taken everything. But the bottom line is, I really want to get out of here. Although right now I can't afford to move. I mean, I went to be from being a multimillionaire until right now I can't afford to move. But when I get to the point to where I move, I want to really look forward. I want to start looking at where I can move, you know, to kind of have a goal. And um, if you have any suggestions, and I, I even thought about Canada until I looked at the problems you guys are having up there, partially from your show. Um, that last caller, I don't understand what he, he was talking about, but the point being, you seem to know more about the United States than most people in the United States, I'll tell you that. But the bottom line is, the. Uh, do you guys have any, do you have any suggestions of where a person might go, where, where um, 
uh, you know, relatively low crime. These statistics are these, uh, you can look at these uh, companies that, they'll say, well, this is the top 10 cities to live in. And I've looked at how they finally, how they come up with these ratings, and they're absolutely ridiculous. Um, just a real quick example, you know, there's an area in Los Angeles called Silver Lake. And it got a really high rating, but I've, a nicer neighborhood next to Silver Lake got a bad rating. And it turns out the reason it got a bad rating is only the following, because it had a gun store. <laughs> oh, it got a really bad. Oh rating. no, self defense. What are we gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, there's a gun store. That's ridiculous. But that's the kind of crap we deal with here in California. I mean, it's again. I'm not crying about it. Um, I'm just okay, so I'm not crying over what question. happened. Look, that's what I'm trying to Where sorry, the hell did go? Here. Let me interrupt you. I, I get the question. I get the question. So, so first of all, regarding the police, look, <laughs> the, the the police, there there are some good cops. No, no question. There are, there are good cops out there, but the system is rotten as a whole. The police are socialist, right? I mean, they're, they're paid whether they solve the crime or not. I mean, they may get promoted if they solve more crimes, but not necessarily if they find justice, which is not always the same thing, sometimes quite the opposite. So the police, if it's complicated and time-consuming and, and uncertain and, and dangerous, right? I mean, you got hit, it sounds like, with a very coordinated attack by, I assume, some criminal gang. Well, you know, that's, that's complicated, it's difficult, it's a high IQ thing to try and pursue. And it's dangerous, because criminal gangs don't like it when you pursue them, right? So the cops, well, they, it's just not gonna be that high a priority. Like if you go to some communist restaurant and you say, I would really like to bake Alaska or that weird fish they eat in Japan that you have to cook just right or it kills you. And they'll be like, hey man, can I whip you up some eggs? You know, because that's quick and easy and I get paid either way. So they want simple stuff. And of course, the big problem with police now is they just, it's like water off a duck's back. They just say, call the insurance company, right? Hey, you've got insurance, what do you care, right? I mean, why should I try and solve all of this crime when you're just gonna get insurance? That's what they say when the cars get broken into, as you saw in the show, the cars get broken into and the police say, oh, you've got insurance. Right, and uh, I remember once when I had something stolen, called the cops, they're like, well, do you, do you have the serial number? Well, we'll put it in a database. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure they'll be checking that one every day. And, and then he's like, yeah, but you know, just call your insurance company, right? So the insurance company is kind of covering up for the cops, and you know, cops, they're human, right? They, they want to have not too difficult a job, they want to have not too dangerous a job, most of them, and they just want to get home at night and they want to make it to retirement. So. You know, the fact that you had some very sophisticated break-in is a big challenge, you know, a big challenge for the cops. And it's just not going to be that high, I assume, in their priority because they're too busy. Well, the FBI is certainly too busy trying to undermine the peaceful transition of power by attempting some sort of weird coup of the presidency under Trump. But uh, now, as far as good places to go, well, um, it's not overly complicated, but it ain't politically correct, right? Which is you want to look for the groups that commit the least crime, obviously for yourself, since you had this terrible break-in, and the groups who commit the least crimes tend to be East Asians and whites, right? So demographically, that's kind of what you want to uh, look for, right? I mean, you know East Asians, and by that I mean, you know, Japanese, Korean, um, uh, 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 Chinese, and so on. 
right? So they're called the model minorities. Why? Because they're very well educated. They're great neighbors. And, you know, I just had this chat with Ellen Lee Zhao, who's running for mayor of San Francisco in November. I hope people will remember that name, uh, Z-H-O-U. And so that's where you, you want to look in general, is you want to go, you know, demographics is destiny. So if you want a place with low crime, and there's no guarantees anywhere, right? But if you want a place with low crime, you're going to have to look for uh, demographics uh, to do with East Asians and, and whites and, you know, maybe a couple of mixed others, right? Or a wealthy neighborhood, right? Because a wealthy neighborhood is probably going to be full of high IQ people of all uh, different races. But of course, because you got hit with this hammer blow of these multiple break-ins on your business, uh, I understand that a, a big expensive neighborhood might be kind of beyond your, um, your reach at the moment, but that's sort of where I'd head. Or the country. See, the country is, is great because the country is, is full of people who are pretty hardworking. You know, it's one of these lies about the Old West, you know, like you always see this, these garbage movies. I mean, some of them are entertaining, but they're garbage propaganda. You know, the Wild West, it's like, what a load of crap. I mean, I've spent a lot of time outside of cities uh, and, um, you know, people outside a city, you know, they're good people. Uh, they are, they're good folks. They help their neighbors, you know, because they kind of have to because you're, kind of in the middle of nowhere a lot of times. And this idea that, that the criminals in, in the frontier of America or in the settling of America, that the criminals would go to the frontier towns, what a load of garbage. Oh, the criminals are all swarming into the cities as a whole because in the frontier, well, it's a long way between places and everyone's armed and everyone knows each other and strangers are obvious like that, right? And, you know, when you're in the frontier, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rough justice, right? So a lot of people just go missing, right? And, and it's pretty easy to dispose of bodies when you've got bears and coyotes around. And I'm not talking about the urban kind, although maybe that's possible too. But um, yeah, it's just always, I just this is a by the by, just always bothered me. This wild west, it's anarchy out there. It's like, no, it's most peaceful out there. The cities, that's where the criminals go. Uh, and particularly, of course, to the central banks. So. That would be my suggestion. And again, I'm very, very sorry to hear about what happened with your uh, business and these break-ins. And it is, you know, it is really shocking. Uh, and, you know, the people who think that the government is going to help you, generally they're people who've never actually tried to get the government to help them. And so, um, yeah, that's a, uh, uh, a, really, uh, a, really, a really sad thing. It's just a, it's a life experience thing, you know. It's, uh, it's very sad. All right, Mark? Mark, Mark, yes. mark my words. Are you with me? I guess so. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. What's up, man? <laughs> Not much. I was just on a, a gab. I saw the gab, and I thought, well, I'll just call in and see uh, see what we can talk about. Right. Uh, if I were to uh, if I were to broach a subject with you, I guess I, I've seen a couple of your videos. I think one in particular. I think you were in Australia with. Uh, I know it was a young young woman, and y'all were talking about. Uh, excuse me, I'm from Texas, so I'll say y'all. But um, and you, uh, it seemed it seemed like that the, the subject uh, was was race realism, and uh, you know the, the the IQ distributions of the various uh, quote races. And um, anyway, that, that's something that if I were going to talk to to you about something, it would be that. Uh, oh, sorry, and the, so the woman. And, hang on, just, just say, Mark, hang on. I'm sorry about the little delay here, but um, so the woman in question is Lauren Southern, and that's not her wheelhouse. That's not her topic at all. And it really wasn't a topic that I was talking about in Australia or New Zealand. Uh, what I did in Australia and New Zealand 
was they talked about the history of the indigenous population in Australia and New Zealand with no particular reference to ethnic uh, IQ differences or anything like that. I mean, of course, the media, whenever they talk about it, they bring up this nonsense like it's, uh, what do they call it, scientific racism, as if these two things are not contradictory. Racism is an unjust prejudice well, anyway, against yeah, people and but that, science that was is just, just that, looking that was, at facts. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, anyway, that was just a a video that I had seen. I watched. I thought the guy was was you know was pretty snarky because he sort of because he because he cut you off, cut you and and oh, Patrick um, Lauren off, and wouldn't let you continue. It was uh, that the, it, the little was, short well, one with Lauren and I yeah. sitting side by side. Yeah, we kind of broke that guy. Yeah. And in fact, you can see kind of the quality of people on social media versus quality of people in the mainstream media. Because we had, yeah, this woman uh, claimed to be Maori who flew in from New Zealand, gave us a long interview. Uh, there was some guy with a beard at a TV station. Uh, there was uh, Patrick Gower, that's G-O-W-E-R, if I remember rightly. Uh, he tried to, to corner us. And, and it's yet. all like, I mean, this is like, it's like fending off uh, uh, gill, guards, gill guides with airstrikes. It's really not, not any kind of intellectual uh, uh, challenge. And uh, it's really sad. You know, the people, people in the media... They, they seem confident, well, the, but they, they're uh, just not the, that smart. Like, they're just not, they just don't have role. Oh, I understand power. that. I, yeah. I agree, I agree. But anyway, but, so the thing is, and, and you're, I don't know how much, you, you, how much time you spend on, on Gab, but I've, I've completely deleted all of my Facebook, all my Twitter. Now I'm basically strictly on Gab. So I encounter a lot of these, uh, these comments and posts about, the IQ distributions, okay? So I was kind of getting in a roundabout way saying, okay, this is how I'm getting to this subject. I purposely do not uh, do not look into those uh, to those studies. And the reason I don't is because I think that they're they're uh, over that they're it's a it's a simplistic way of categorizing people because I know people who are who are on the uh, lower end of the IQ spectrum and on the upper end of the IQ spectrum. And you now, of course, my experience is anecdotal. I understand that, but my experience is that IQ does not necessarily uh, map individually, individually uh, to uh, a person's, we'll say, moral and ethical uh, choices uh, and things like that. So I purposely don't because I don't want to be biased. And what I uh, particularly okay, sorry, do hang on, but is hang on. judge dude, people. Dude, based yeah, yeah, dude. okay, yep. You're calling in talking about scientific facts, and then you're talking about your own personal anecdotes. And then you say, well, you know, this is anecdotal. And it's like, so if you know it's anecdotal, <laughs> what are you talking about? Of course, IQ does yeah. not, IQ is not determinism. IQ doesn't tell you of, uh, authoritatively whether somebody is a good guy or a bad guy, a rich guy, a poor guy, a successful guy, a healthy guy, a good guy, evil guy. Of course not. Of course not. Any more than, than yes, you, yes. you know, you say a man and a woman are going to walk through that door. Which one is taller? You, you can't say for sure. Now, if you get 10,000 men and women and you say, on average, who's going to be taller? Well, you say the men, right? Or you say some guy from, from um, uh, Denmark uh, versus some guy who's a pygmy, right? I mean, th th you could say, well, on average, in general, overall, right? So th this is only useful stuff when you're looking at society as a whole, right? So you get a concept called... White privilege, right? White privilege is a collectivist concept about a race. Now, if people can talk about white privilege, then they're talking about collective concepts regarding race. And I don't agree with white privilege. White privilege seems to be pretty much that um, 
people starved to death who didn't plan for winter. Ooh, that's a lot of privilege. <laughs> you know, this, it's even more so with the East Asians who evolved in Siberia and had even worse winters than people uh, in, in Northern Europe and so on. But society has already broached that wall of talking about collective racial characteristics when society has talked about white privilege and, and white racism and all that. So like, we can't put that genie back in the bottle. It would be great if people hadn't brought up collective racial concepts as a whole, because you know, they're not that great. But when you say, oh, the reason why, say, blacks and Hispanics don't do as well economically as whites and East Asians and Jews is because of white privilege and white racism and institutionalized this and bigotry. It's like, okay, so that wall has already been broached. Now we're talking about collective racial characteristics. One of them is called white privilege. And it's like, okay, well, what's the defense against this thing? Well, to say well, there's an alternative in my, explanation. In my opinion. Hang on, let me finish. There's an alternative explanation yeah, yeah, okay. as to why, not individuals, right? No, you, everyone can point to a brilliant, genius, entrepreneurial, wealthy and successful black guy. And, and absolutely, there are, there are many brilliant, wonderful, amazing, fantastic black people out there in the world. Some of them have been on this show, others you know, I've only heard about and read about and I admire them and it's fantastic. It's all wonderful stuff, right? So nobody's talking about individuals here and, and nobody's talking about specific examples, right? But when we're starting to talk about society as a whole, and we do have to talk about society as a whole because that topic is gonna to be brought up whether we like it or not. So we have this question. Why is it say that blacks make less than East Asians on average? Well, one answer is slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, legacy, 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 and white racism. Okay, well that's an answer. And society has been working with that answer for about 50 years. And during the time that society has been working with that answer, um, trillions of dollars have been transferred to the black community. One of the largest wealth transfers in, in the history of, of the planet. And the results of working with this theory that it's white privilege and white racism that, or East Asian, whatever, they, they, they're not just the model minority, they're in the invisible minority because they kind of break the, the pattern of, of thinking of the left. And it, it hasn't worked, right? So, so, you know, call me crazy. <laughs> Well, just let me know when, right, when I can yeah, yeah, jump, I'll, when I'll I let you jump know in and comment. So, so it hasn't worked. This massive wealth transfer and, and shaming whites and, and blaming whites and calling for reparations and blaming white racism and blaming police brutality and police corruption. This has all been done for 50, 60 years and it has not worked. You know, in, by many instances, the black community is worse off now than it was 50 or 60 years ago when only 20% of black kids were born outside of wedlock. Now it's 74% and, and probably higher than that even now. I think that was learned from last year. So yeah, it hasn't, um, it hasn't worked. So when you have a theory, which is white privilege, white racism, blah, 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 is the responsible for, and so you try and, and listen, it's been tried, man. A hundred billion, 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 billion dollars was poured into Head Start in an attempt to close the black-white achievement gap in schools and uh, it, didn't, it didn't work, right? Except everybody was a hundred billion dollars poorer and the reason, and it's non-falsifiable, right? Because if something doesn't work, it's because of institutionalized white racism. And if you try to fix that and it still doesn't work, it's because of institutionalized white, like you understand, there's no, there's no way out of this, this circular centrifuge. So if something doesn't work, you are taking the wrong approach, right? You're taking the wrong approach. So then you have to look at other approaches and the other approach that is scientifically validated. And again, this has nothing to do with human value, 
human dignity, human worth. It's nothing to do with superiority or inferiority or better or worse or anything like that. But the IQ data is as validated as it can possibly be in any social science metric. It is the most studied a century worth of data. There's no, uh, it, it maps with, with physical uh, structures. It, 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 there's genetic markers. I mean, it is just about as true as anything can be. And it is a way for us to begin to appreciate each other rather than raging at each other. I really, really dislike it. When people look and say, oh, well, this group is just lazy and this group just has a bad culture and this, that is horrible. That is so bigoted. Or when other groups say, well, this group is privileged and racist and bigoted, it's like, it's all so crazy. And it doesn't map into the actual scientific facts and the data. Now, if we accept the facts and the data, we can all start to appreciate differences and we can start to get along and we can start to work together to solve a big challenging problem, which is that races that evolved apart are now living together. And the races are, on average, not superior or inferior, but not all equal in all characteristics. And any doctor who tried to pretend that they were would be sued for malpractice in about five minutes because you can't treat different races as if they're the same because different races have different uh, medical risks or threats or requirements and so on, right? So it's, it's, we can either accept facts, work together, to ease tensions, to, to get along better, to stop raging and blaming and, and calling these groups lazy and calling these group privileges and blah, blah, blah. Or we can just continue to ride this idea of endless white privilege and racism right off a freaking cliff and our society will literally go down in flames. So it seems to be kind of a high thing. Now again, your individual personal experience, fantastic, wonderful. I, I, I don't disagree with you about a thing. But when we're talking about society and philosophy, you know, the plural of anecdote is, is, not, is not data, it's not facts. So anyway, I'm done. Go, go ahead. Tell me what you think. Okay, so, all right. So I, I, actually, I did agree with, uh, and, and you had said some things. Uh, I've watched a couple of your uh, live, uh, uh, you know, streams. And uh, so I, I think I did misunderstand at some point uh, what you had believed about race and IQ and all that, because I... Uh, you had made some comments about well, if 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 uh, someone from from another country, from another race, or whatever wants to come over here and integrate in and and try and be successful, fine, no problem. That is actually the opposite of of racism. Now, uh, so now I would point out, okay, because I've, I've studied this and, and I will I will go back to the uh, uh, scientific versus anecdotal. All I have is anecdotes because it's my personal experience, and I haven't engaged in in uh, some some uh, uh, you know some very detailed studies. Okay, so right now my but understand that the difference why, between an anecdote and on, a study hang on, is. Hang on. Why do you want to talk about something that you have no objective knowledge about? I mean, this is not. You know, well, it's like we're talking about the wavelength uh, wait, wait, wait. of color no, 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 and you're no. saying, like, no, 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 I like red. My it's like that, is, doesn't, my, that doesn't accord my knowledge with the is standards of the conversation. My knowledge is objective. I'm sorry? My knowledge is objective. It's just not, it's just not the result of a discipline study. A, a discipline study. If you know how studies work, no, I mean, you, you, have, you have to cool. map it out. You have, you have to map it to criteria. Well, it's objective. Uh, anecdotal does not mean it's not objective. It simply means that if they didn't follow a, 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 method, a methodology, a, a, you know, a, a methodology. That's yeah, but, all it means. Uh, but, but listen, you know? listen, man. So, uh, listen, and if, and if, listen, I, I don't want to take up the valuable time of myself or the audience talking about your opinions when we're in a fact-based discussion. 
right? As I said before, it, it's like it's like we're trying to figure out the wavelength of various colors, and you keep yelling, "I like red." It's like that doesn't it doesn't add anything. It's just kind of static in there, right? So I would suggest, you know, there's there's lots of great books to read out there. There's um, uh, um, uh, the bell curve, of course, is is a great place to go. I think it was chapter thirteen that was the big controversial uh, chapter. Um, there are there's this uh, Rushton as a Canadian psychologist, unfortunately deceased. Uh, now you can look at his stuff. Uh, there's lots of um, I mean I've got a whole series. You can find it at fdrurl.com forward slash IQ. I think it was 17. I think it's now down to 16 <laughs> because uh, uh, something got got pulled by YouTube. But uh, it is, um, uh, you, you can just get yourself educated on this stuff because, you know, man, I love you, I love the listeners, and I'm glad you called, but I, I can't, it's, it's like you're doing Shaw and I'm doing Shakespeare. You know, we, we can't, we're not even in the same place. So, you know, get, if you want to call um, back and, and uh, you know, after you got yourself up to speed, that'd be great. I'll, I'll probably but no, call I'm back. Gonna, I'm not going to just do so anecdotes. Just... Sorry about that, man. I appreciate the call, though. All right. Let's talk to Brett and uh, have a chat with Brett. Are you on, my friend? I am, Stefan. How are you tonight? I'm well. I'm well. How are you doing, man? Good. There seems to be a little delay that makes it a little hard to listen to sometimes. I don't know if you're aware of that, the overlap when you interrupt each other. Uh, yeah, it could be, or, or it could just be people who want to engage in talk wars, you know, when you're both talking at the same time and you see who else wants to, <laughs> wants to uh, stop talking first. But all right, go ahead with your question. Yeah, so here's my question. It's about uh, having influence on social media and getting your message out. Um, that's, that's what my question is, and a little bit of background. Um, I'm a health and wellness expert. I have been uh, I'm sorry, really what? nerded out on this stuff for like health and wellness expert. Okay, sorry, yeah. And I've nerded out on this stuff for like 20 years, and I discovered that um, environmental toxins are currently one of the largest contributors to health problems and actually um, affects IQ. Um, the fluoride thing just came out, today, right? a, big, a big study came out about the fluoride thing, which uh, people such as Alex Jones had talked about for many years. And uh, if I, I haven't read it in detail, and maybe you have, but a study came out that, that drinking fluoride during pregnancy seems to have the effect of potentially lowering uh, the, the child's IQ. Is, is that right? Yes, yes. That and, um, and well, and another thing is, is if, uh, women have uh, sufficient iodine when they're uh, pregnant, they can actually increase the IQ of their children, which is kind of, uh, kind of interesting as well. So, um, so there are some nutritional things that can be done and avoiding environmental toxins like this detox protocol that I discovered is actually proven in the peer reviewed science to increase IQ by seven points. Really? Which, as you know, on the bell curve, that's that's, uh, that's yeah, that's, that's like a, that's half a standard deviation, and that goes against most of what I know. But again, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm at best an informed amateur in, the, in these in these matters. So go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Well, so um, it turns out that these environmental toxins, which we've been bombarded with at a low level for an extended period of time, store in our fat cells. Our brain is mostly fat, and so it accumulates over time. And it's not that. It's not that it's increasing your IQ, it's giving you IQ points back that you've lost over time. Um, and there's really, really good science uh, showing that getting the toxins out of your brain um, increases IQ. And it's, um, it's uh, you know, like it's actually 6.7 points to be precise on the, I think it's the Welsher um, IQ scale. Um, this is the detox protocol they did for the September 11 firefighters, um, Gulf War 
uh, victims. Government spent um, did two trials on it because it works so well. Um, oil spill cleaner, cleanup workers. Um, so it's it's been proved they use it in drug detox centers um, all over the world for like 60 years to get heavy drug users off of drugs. But it's not just for people that are exposed to acute toxins in a short period of time, like those like the September 11 firefighters, but for everybody who's been exposed to low levels of toxins over an extended period of time, it has the same effect. Um, the toxins do, but we, it's so incremental. We don't notice it's like putting a little bit of sand in a backpack over time, over time you feel, well, I don't feel quite as good, but I don't know why. Well, I discovered this detox protocol and this is getting to my question. And, um, and I made some improvements upon it, and then I brought it to the public. It used to cost $10,000 to go to a clinic to do this detox protocol, and it improves your energy, your mood, your vitality, all these things. Um, and Dr. Joseph Pizzorno, who is the godfather of evidence-based medicine, he founded the first accredited natural health colleges, he says now that environmental toxins are the primary driver of most diseases in today's society. So... That's the number one. Okay, so uh, I understand. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to feel like I'm. I'm trapped at a, a, an elevator pitch. And, and look, yeah, I no, appreciate. No, no, sorry, like, sorry, hang on, let me finish. So I appreciate what you're saying. So sure. I think your, your your question is, how do you get the word out about what you're most passionate about, right? Right. So okay, I have so, a, so I have hang a on, Facebook on. group. So, so then that's the question, right? That's the question. So I have some expertise in that. Yeah. So I'm going to give you sure. uh, the answer. Okay. Now that you can, sure. em, I don't say embrace controversy, but you can. Choose not to avoid controversy, and and what you're talking about is not as controversial as some of the stuff that I talk about. So I'm not going to just say you're going to pursue controversy because that's not my goal, and and that's not particularly helpful. But this is the basics. So I was a director of marketing uh, at a, a good software company for for quite some time, and I've done a lot of sales, a lot of marketing, and uh, all of that. So I have some experience about this. So a couple of things. Okay. So first of all you have to spend much more time marketing than building, right? So I was just telling my daughter this the other day when she was asking about the origins of this show. And I said, well, well, back at the beginning, well, first I had a full-time job and, and was married and, and so on. So uh, it was tough to find the time. Now, I managed to record shows during the commute, which, which helped a lot. But I spent a lot of time just getting the word out about what it is that I was doing. Because... You know, it, it, it's like you can write the most beautiful song, but if the mic is not on to record it, it's like it never happened, so to speak, right? So you got to get the word out. So how do you do that? Well, you find, this is back in the day, it's probably changed a little bit now, but you find forums that are interested in this kind of stuff and you post there. And, and I don't mean just like post and vanish, but you post and try and engage people. So I spent a lot of time trying to uh, get people interested in what I was doing by, by going to forums and, and engaging with people there. You can, of course, and it was easier back in the day. It's a little bit more tricky now, but try and find people that you can interview, right? So people who've, and I get these requests, like I got a request from a guy the other day. It's like, man, I really want to debate you on this, right? This, that, or the other. You know, and I looked at his YouTube channel, he had like 1,200 subscribers, and I'm like, you know, and I'm like, you know, grow a little and, and, and get back to me because it's really not equitable kind of at the moment. And so find people that you can talk to about this that have more prominence than you and use, like build a show and give them the opportunity to reach your audience. You, of course, can hopefully that they'll cross, they'll agree to cross post it on their channel and get into conversations with people about it. And 
you know, if, if you can um, even self-publish a book and find some way to get that into people's hands, uh, that's important as well. I would go to conferences. I mean, I, the, the first time I spoke at a conference, uh, there were probably 20 people in the room, right? And then, you know, in, in Australia, we were selling out houses of a thousand, right? So, it, you know, that's, but that's, that's a long time between those things. So you just have to slowly, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you climb Mount Everest? Well, one step at a time. <laughs> No teleportation, right? So just get the information that you care about in front of the people you hope will care about it, engage with them, answer their questions, and just begin that slow and steady climb to some area of prominence. Uh, and that is just, you know, find the people who can amplify what you've got to say, amplify what they have to say, and just, you know, use your contacts, right? So after I did a certain number of interviews, I could. I could interview, I could send a request for other people to interview saying, well, I've interviewed this guy, and I've interviewed this guy, and I've interviewed this guy, and, you know, here they are, here are the interviews uh, if you want to see them, and that just gives you credibility, right? So you, you just got to climb that, that step slowly, and, and I look for that too. People say, if they want to interview me, I look and say, well, have they interviewed anyone else? And, um, you know, if they're smart, then they'll say, I've interviewed this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this is um, why... I want to talk to you, and this is I have experience, and and so on, right? So, that's my suggestion, and uh, I hope that it helps. And I certainly wish you the very best, man. If you can if you can add a uh, half a standard deviation to uh, uh, IQ as a whole, that would be uh, that would be uh, that would be pretty cool. All right, let us talk to oh man, <laughs> Solarium. Uh, let's uh, let's guess what what the uh, speech to text gave us. Uh, are you on? Yeah, if you're, yeah, if, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, my name is Silverio Poran, uh, but you can call me Silver. Silver, like all right. Color. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, I was, um, I'm fairly new to the genetic stuff and race and IQ and intelligence, all this stuff. I was just wondering, because I was wondering, um, what's up with all the, the, man, the differences in men IQ and women IQ? Something that I uh, can't find an answer to. Yeah, well, you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to study, and I haven't nailed it yeah. down. I have not nailed the female question. I have not nailed it down. I've heard a wide variety of things, and I'll just share with you what I've heard with all the caveats in the world because I haven't nailed it down for, I think, the same reasons that you have. A, it's a challenge to find the data, and B, you know, there's, there's other stuff to talk about for me at the moment. So this is what I've heard. So the first thing that I heard was that men tend to be flatter on the IQ scale, right? So the IQ scale, the more narrow it is, that means the more people cluster around the middle. So first thing I heard was that there are more male geniuses and there are more male idiots, which is why guys are homeless and, and there's like all these guys in, in physics and all of that, right, in philosophy. So that's what I'd heard first. And then I heard that that was actually not really true, that that data came from it depends when you test men and women, right? Because if you test men and women around the age of 13, 14, 15, then that which develops faster ends up more complex and female brains mature late teens, early 20s, whereas the male brain matures mid-20s, mid right? So the male brain has a long way to go. And just in the same way that boys and girls tend to be similar heights until puberty, Male and female, there are times when the female brain is ahead of the male brain. And if you test during that particular time, then the girls 
IQs look higher or equal to the boys. And so there was that piece of data that was muddying up the whole context. Oh, uh, okay. So then what I heard was, and this I believe, because I've, I've read it in a wide variety of places, so what I've heard is that particularly the highest levels of IQ, there are almost no women. I mean, it starts to, okay. women start to fade out at the high IQ levels, you know, fairly early on, and once you get to mid to high, it's like eight to one, men to women, higher, it's 12 to one, and then at the very highest level of IQ, there are almost no women, right? Mm. And again, this has nothing to do, I have to put these caveats in, right, because people get confused. Like, this, this is just facts. It's just things we have to work with as a species, you know? Like, we have to work with gravity, and we have to, you know, I get sunburned easily, so I have a big, giant Tilly hat that makes me look like a tent, right? And so these are just facts that we have to work with uh, in, in humanity, right? So then, I've also right. heard that there are differences in IQ on average between men and women, and those differences are not insubstantial, they're not monstrous, or not like half a standard deviation or anything like that, and that men have slightly higher IQs than women in most of the scales, right? Yeah. And again, you would expect... I heard that it was around I'm sorry? three to five. I said, I said uh, I've heard around it's uh, been about three to five points yeah, higher. Yeah, I've heard in that kind of range IQ as well. So yeah, three to five uh, IQ points and so on, right? And, you know, as, as to why, I mean, who knows, right? Who knows? You know, you could theorize and say, well, you know, men had war, which is more cunning and more planning and higher stakes, and men had to hunt, which is more planning and more cunning and higher stakes. Whereas, you know, what did women mm -hmm. spend their life doing for the most part throughout most of human evolution? Well, making sure that children didn't fall off a cliff. And so, you know, whether there was some selection or some demand or, or you know, and if there is male higher, if it is true that men have higher IQs than women, that's because women chose men with higher IQs to have babies with, right? Because <laughs> it's not, it, no, there's no big nefarious thing in history. Yeah, that's in what history, I heard as well. Yeah, in history, everyone was just trying to survive. So if women like smarter men and men don't care okay. quite as um, much about the intelligence of women for a variety of reasons, right? Then this yeah. is just the way. Oh, I gotta, the world hold on, hold on. I gotta say something here. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. This is the way I like to look at it. Uh, do you think that the reason why men have higher IQs than women is uh, particularly because the way I like to look at it is um, evolution. Like you said, men were hunting, hunter-gatherers, or stuff they did, and women stayed at, you know, at the caves or, you know, at, at homes and didn't have to focus on that. So men had to evolve to be more keen humans than women did. So maybe do you think that's the reason why women tend to have um, lower IQs than men because over evolution, men just had to work on that a little bit more than women did? Well, okay, so uh, if we really want to get into the weeds here, which is perfectly fine with me, and again, this is all just stuff I've heard. I'm not going to vouch for the validity of all of it, but uh, you know, right. if people have more resources out there, please it's let me know. It's not 100%, but it's most likely yeah, yeah. the reason. So this is, this, is what I yeah, would, I this is what I would say about that. So if you look at what attracts men to women purely biologically, right? Then for the woman, it's fertility. For the man, it's resources. Now the woman has fertility by virtue of being born. She doesn't have to earn it. She doesn't have to earn fertility. Uh, I mean, okay, you can say, well, maybe she'll do some lunges or some sit-ups, but that, that's in the modern world where we have too much food and, and too much <laughs> yeah. leisure, right? But in, in, in the ancient world or in most of our evolution, I mean, you were, you were lucky to eat a rabbit a day, right? So, so everybody was lean and, you know, there were very few fat people and 
And so women are, are born with the value that they bring to the table in the mating ritual of, of humanity. They're just born with it, right? But men right. have to go out and fight with that bitch goddess nature to get the resources that attract the women. Because I mean, a woman needs resources exactly. because not, she's right. So, so exactly. I think that it's not being born deer anymore. Yeah, who's yeah. who's likely to be smarter, just a guy who a just job. inherits money or a guy who's earned his money, right? I mean, if you have to guess, right? And so, women inherit their fertility, their youth, their beauty, their whatever the, the sexiness that, that women have that men want, right? So they just have that by virtue of being born. But men, right? That's why they say it's it's not you know. It's man, man is human doing, woman is human being, right? Because a well, woman has value just by being uh, in a sense, right? Whereas the man has to go and, and, and we see this all the time, right? I mean, the, the woman, uh, the, the man goes and buys a nice car and he gets a nice suit and, and he, he shows his resource capacities yeah. and he asks the girl out and he pays for dinner. It's all just a resource display. And what does the woman do? Well, she sits and she looks pretty, right? I mean, what does the man do to get ready for a date? Well, he spends five years making money. <laughs> Right, and what does the woman get used? To? What <laughs> yeah, does the woman exactly. do to get ready for a date? You know, she she puts some sprinkled dust on her cleavage and and lipstick on. You know, like it's not the same resource uh, consumption, so to speak. Right. So I think it's just a it, yeah. It, you don't have to work that hard to get what you are born into, but for a man, a man does have to work hard, and he has to compete with other men. Now, women do compete with other women for sure. I mean, there's no question of that, but they're competing to best show that which they're born with, which is their youth and fertility and so on. Whereas men have to go and, and, and really fight and compete with, with other men to gain resources to get the most attractive women. Mm. And I have uh, discussed with this with uh, people in my school that women, usually, uh, they usually like to bring up the, well, I don't do it to impress other men. I do it for myself. <laughs> and <laughs> what, do you, what do you have to say with this? Because I don't agree with that at all. Well, I just think that's silly. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you, you ever see, I don't know if you've hung around a woman when she wants to binge watch Netflix all weekend, but trust me, there's no heels and stockings going on those legs and feet. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, this is, look, Yeah. this is this is just part of the game, right? And, and listen, I don't mean to deconstruct the game between men and women to the point where everyone gets cynical and we just look like, you know, holes and sperm and squirting and like, I don't want to, you know, there's magic in in romance, and I don't want to eliminate that completely. But the woman is a magician, and magicians don't like it when people reveal their tricks, right? I don't know if you remember, there was this guy, I think he was on YouTube, who was revealing all these magicians' tricks. Yeah, your tricks. Twitter words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't that. he got into a whole lot of trouble with people, right? Because yeah. it's, it's tough to make the money if people know the tricks, right? So this is the way it works, right? So, I mean, the, the Twitter stuff that I was engaged in recently regarding lipstick, it comes down to some pretty basic things, right? So a woman invests 10 bucks in, in some lipstick and she might get a guy who makes $2,000 a year more. Now, he doesn't know what's going on, right? So when you watch a magician, you know that it's not real, but it's clever and it's fun to, you know, whatever, right? But the guy doesn't know yeah. that he's choosing the woman because she has lipstick on, right? And, but women know it, right? So here's the thing, is that once the man knows the lipstick trick, it really doesn't work. Because if you look at a woman and you don't know the makeup, the lipstick, the hair, the, 
you know, the tits and ass shove outs called the high heels and all that, right? If you don't know all that stuff, you just look at the woman and you say, man, she's hot, right? But I know this for a fact, you know, men who follow this now, what they do, I got emails about this. They say, oh yeah, you know, I'd say, oh, this woman's hot, right? And I go click on the profile picture on Twitter or whatever, right? And I'd say, oh, okay. So the lips and the cheeks and the, they're all, she's all putting out markers of sexual arousal, right? Which is what lipstick and, and blush all do. They simulate sexual arousal, right? So it doesn't work anymore. Like the whole trick collapses. So then women have to bring something other, There's, something else to the table and they have to bring quality yeah, to character. Yeah, they have to bring others to the table. Yeah, they have to, look, look in, in the Muslim world, right? In the Muslim world, in particular the, you know, the really, you know, the fundy parts where the women are all covered up and so on, right? Look, I don't agree. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I think that women should, the skin should see sunlight from time to time. But that is a strong overreaction to the potential for sexual manipulation that women have, right? And, and, you know, again, not to agree with it, but I understand where it's coming from. Because they're saying, listen, as, as, as God-fearing Muslims, we want a woman of quality. We don't want to be bewitched by a woman's fertility. We want a woman who is going to transmit good Muslim values to the children, who is going to be uh, willing to have a lot of children, <laughs> like all of the, and, and someone who's, who's, um, who has integrity uh, to, to the Quran and so on. Like that, that's what they're looking for. And they're, you know, they don't, that's why the, when the women move around in society, it's the quality of their character that has a little bit more to do with how they show up, obviously, because they can't use their, quote, wiles, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Yes, as a, a man, you work for your resources and you work for your for your uh, what you can bring to the table. And when a woman, all she has to do is just put on some makeup or look good or be, you know, given a, a lucky hand in life and you know have a nice big butt and big breast, and a man will go for that. You don't technically have to be smart or any of that. And when you you know when you figure it out, they have nothing to bring to the table, and it really really gets them mad because. You basically strip them of their resources, something you can't do with a man unless he goes bankrupt or something, right? Well, yeah, so there's this injustice, right, that, that drives men crazy. And you've probably heard this term thought, right, T-H-O-T, that whore over there. It's a coarse yeah. phrase, and I, <laughs> I use it recognizing that it's a coarse phrase. But it drives men crazy that a relatively attractive woman can just slip on a low-cut top, go on Twitch, play a video game, and get $10,000 a month. You know, like that, mm -hmm. that woman who was selling her own bath water? You know, yeah, <laughs> you know trust me, my friend. Yeah, I'm really familiar with the gaming world. Yeah, yeah, okay, so, you know, trust me, my friend. <laughs> Nobody's lining up for my bath water. <laughs> I tell you, that's like, that's a business model yeah. that, <laughs> that would not get off the ground, you know? Hey, big chatty forehead's got some runoff from his shower after he worked out. Would you like some? It's like, I really wouldn't. In fact, can I pay you to never mention that topic again, right? You know, like I'm a decently attractive guy, but you know, there's I just the idea that I would be selling my bath water online or, you know, hey man, let me just undo a, a button or two on my shirt and suddenly the donations are going to come flowing in except maybe to just have me button it back up again. So this unfair is absolutely unfair. Now, if you sort of look at, at how sexual dimorphism and, and um, uh, neoteny and, and how we evolved and all of that, it's not unfair. It's just unfair in the modern world. 
right? Because an attractive woman in the past would get snagged, snapped up in a monogamous culture like Christianity, would get snapped up and be off the market. So she wouldn't be able to have her tits pouring out like some cleavage tsunami, right? She'd have, she'd have to dress more modestly. She'd, she'd then get knocked up. She'd have kids. Her breasts would get heavy. Her hips would get bigger. She'd get all that subcutaneous fat that comes with childhood and uh, being a mother and all of that. So, you know, her beauty would be wiped out by fertility, right? So the, the fertility markers are to get you pregnant and then you, you get, in general, right? I mean, there's the, the sort of freaky half cyborg modern sort of um, don't conform to this particular. Yeah, I do. Right? Yeah. So, but, but in general, yeah. in history, the, 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 the woman's beauty would get wrecked by having eight children, right? And, and that's the way of the world. That's, that's kind of natural. There's nothing you can really do about that except maybe not have kids and then the whole beauty line dies out or whatever. And so it drives men crazy because men don't have the option to just slip into something more comfortable and have $10,000 pour in through the internet every month. And this is why some of the men got so mad that they were calling up the tax agencies and saying, you know, this is what this woman's making. Is she actually declaring this or is she trying to get away with not even paying her taxes? As well as pulling the, uh, you know, the beta penis thought <laughs> casino machine of, of cleavage, right? Yeah. And it, it, it drives men crazy. And the reason also it drives men crazy is that the mo modern society transfers a man's resources to women, but does not transfer a woman's resources to men. It's a, it's a one-way street. And, and I'm not equating taxation with rape, obviously. I mean, they're both immoral and rape is far worse. But if a man's resources are his sexual market value, well, the state can point a gun at the men and transfer his resources to women against his will. So that, what the man brings to the table is being drained away from him and given to the woman. Now, the woman is not going, sorry, the state is not going to the woman, neither should it or shouldn't do it either, right? The state is not going to the woman and saying, well, you know, we're taking resources from the man to you, so now you have to give sexual access to the men because that's the deal, right? I mean, so it's, it's mm -hmm. really, really fundamentally unfair. And please understand, I'm not saying that the government should make men, make women have sex with men. I'm just saying that as far as sexual market value goes, it's, it's like the old problem with, with um, time versus money, right? So uh, if, if, if I had a sister, like, if I had a brother, right? My brother, let's say that he, he, um, he worked really hard and, and he went to school and he sacrificed and, and he stayed up all night and he took exams and he, he and whereas I just kind of partied away, right? And just had fun and, and all that, right? Well, by the time I'm 50, I don't really have any money and he's got a lot of money. Now, I can go to the government and I can say, hey, man, this is income inequality, man. This is unfair. He's rich. He's exploited people. I'm, I'm help. I'm needy. I'm right. And then the government might take, you know, a couple hundred grand over time and, from my brother and give it to me. Right? So the fruits of virtue can be transferred. The fruits of fun can't be. Because my brother can't turn to me and say, okay, man, I'll give you a hundred grand. But in return, I want all the fun you had in your 20s. <laughs> right? Can't do it. You can transfer the money, you can't transfer the fun, which is why it's such an unjust equation. You can transfer the money from men to women, but you can't transfer the sexual access from women to men. And it would be horrifying to, to even propose it. But that's the injustice yeah. that drives men kind of crazy. Yeah, completely agree. All right. Good. Well, uh, I guess uh, I'll take a call or two more, but thanks.
Yeah. Thanks for bringing up a topic that I'm right, sure we're getting into much, a lot of uh, trouble. Sorry? Yeah, thank you very much, Mr. Molly. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, let's see here. All right, let's see here. All right, John, I think we are, what are we going for? Like, a, oh my gosh, an hour and a quarter. Time flies when you're having fun, man. I really love you guys. All right, John, I, I read the word sex. And you have my attention. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, Stefan, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm well. How are you doing? Great. So the question I have pertaining to something that I've noticed from uh, my own experience with women is that women that tend to have a relationship with their father, they tend to have an interest. I've noticed, first of all, that they have um, a, a prevalence of, you know, hookup called meeting strategies. And through my research into evolutionary psychology, for example, reading like David Buss, he's attributed that to that they have learned from the actions of their mother and their father that uh, a long-term monogamous mating strategy isn't going to work for them. And so that's why they go and pursue short-term strategies. But then within the last few months, I've noticed from a few studies I know that are interested in gender studies, women's studies, they're actually embracing things like sex psychology and sex therapy as a means of like achieving different types of orgasms. Um, had a conversation with wait, one girl wait, who what told do you mean me different that types of orgasms? Idea. You mean the ones that come from the armpit? Well, that, that, I mean, what are you talking about here? Space no, alien ass yeah, orgasms? I was learning, I was learning too. Um, she told me with confidence that uh, you can actually trigger female orgasms by breathing and you know touching ears and stuff. And then the male orgasm is actually entirely a separate thing from the male ejaculation. And the reason that it happens at the same time is because of societal constructs. And this is what she had learned in her gender studies classes <laughs> at her university. Oh, really? A social construct? So, yeah. It just I, happens to tie the male yeah, orgasm with ejaculation, which creates life. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's just a social, yeah. it's just, you know, just happened to coincide. You know, it's, it's like the planets aligning. Well, it's just weird. Is, All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. The theory behind it is that uh, apparently we can ejaculate once we choose and we can keep having multiple organs. Then finally, once we're ready, we can ejaculate and we can keep going for longer. That was what I was told with confidence. But I guess my question is, why is it getting that deep? Why isn't it not just stopping at like hookup culture? We want to, you know, have fun in our twenties and settle down in our thirties. Why are they really getting into like the psychology behind it? Why are they getting into like these different types of therapeutic methods, like with crystals and different types of energy and all these theories about oh, yeah, that's, ways to Yeah, that's not um, complicated. Yeah, that's I mean, sorry, that there are certainly questions that are challenging that isn't which is that a woman who talks about sex is gonna get a lot of male attention. I mean, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a way of signaling that you're sexually available and you're single and it's just a way of just getting male, male attention. Oh, look, I'm a sex therapist. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's, uh, it, it's, as, it's as cheesy as, as the guy showing up uh, to the house party in a Lamborghini, right? I mean, it's just kind of silly, but you know, I mean, it, it kind of hits all the right wiring, but uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you can see this kind of stuff uh, um, that uh, the, the, this reproductive strategy these days, these days, is for, for a lot of women, not, I don't even think the majority, but for a lot of women, you, you, you know this, you know, alpha fucks, beta bucks, right? And so the, the, the strategy for a lot of women is that you get knocked up by the alpha, or at least you chase alphas, and trying to, you know, hook them in with your quicksand vagina. And if that doesn't work, well, um, there's always a beta provider, right? All, all the guys you said no to in your 20s 
will be grateful to have you in your 30s, right? Uh, when you become this sort of yeah. used up leftover alpha widow. They call it an alpha widow, right? And so <laughs> the difference being, though, of course, that a lot of people in the manosphere, particularly the MGTOW guys, are waking up men to the change in sexual market value that occurs between men and women in the 30s, right? You know, men, mm -hmm. for, for men, the wall is like a trampoline. For women, it's, it's a canyon, right? I mean, they just fall. And so reminding men that they can do much better once they have resources and that they become the alpha regarding resources relative to where they were when they were earning that money, which was, you know, hardworking, you know, sitting in a chair all day, staring at a computer screen often and not, you know, getting well tanned to go into spring break and drinking jello shots off some woman's ass. And so now that the, the men are waking up in their 30s that they have higher sexual market value than they thought, and the MGTOWs are also, and I'm, I'm sort of ambivalent about this, but I, I have noticed it as a phenomenon, and they call it the red pill rage or whatever, which is more to do with understanding what they call female nature. But they're saying, they're, they're helping to, I don't know how to put it exactly, but they're helping to ignite the anger of rejection that the betas felt in their 20s. And they're reminding the beta that the alpha in the 20s who got all the girls has used up the girl's capacity to bond and the girl's capacity to be a good, steady, steadfast wife and, and mother to your children and so on. And so all the women who said no to you in your 20s because you weren't tall enough, you didn't have the right hair or you didn't have abs or like all, all of the, you, weren't, you had a job, you had a career, like all of the women who said no to you way back in the day, don't you dare circle round and pick up the pieces the alphas have left behind. And, and they're kind of working this wound a little bit. And I, again, I'm kind of ambivalent about it because I can see both sides, but uh, it is. Um, and, and what it's doing, of course, is the alpha fucks, beta bucks model only works if the betas are willing to put up with your leftover alpha widowhood, right? And if they're not, Right? If, if the, the, the betas, and again, I use this term advisedly, right? I'm just talking about the bad boys versus the hard work and good. In fact, the, the betas are actually the alphas to me in terms of civilization, but I'm just using the general terminology here. But if the betas won't take the alpha widows, then the alpha pursuit strategy fails. And the women have no one. Or they have to go so far down in the ladder of attractiveness that it just becomes really humiliating and just easier to get a cat. And I understand kind of, I don't think, I don't know if the MGTOWs are trying to pursue this, but like in a conscious way. But if, you know, they're, they're in the, all these romantic movies, right, what are this is a common thing, you know, they, the, the man and the woman say to each other, hey, you know, man, if we're still single when we're 40, we're just going to get married to each other. Right? You, you've probably heard that kind of garbage in, in variety, right? So if, if there's a move afoot, to say to the betas in their 30s, don't you dare pick up the alpha widows. You're better than that. They said no to you. Now they only want you out of desperation. Plus, because they're alpha widows, they've lost their capacity to bond. You get married to them. You give them one or two kids. They're going to take you to family court, brother, and you are going to get cheese shredded through that god-awful system, that Kafkaesque gulag of a system. So don't do it, man. Now, Hopefully, that helps some of the women choose more quality guys in their 20s. I don't know if that's the purpose, but I think that would be one of the effects. 
Yeah, I think that what they're doing when they try to promote these things, like, you know, for example, the women that have slept around in their 20s, um, like there are a lot of girls my time, 19, and I've noticed that a lot of the young women that went to my school and that were the feminist types that were saying, you know, do what you want, it's your body, sleep with who you want, they were all in committed relationships. And so they were promoting that, allowing the other girls to do that and then lower their market value because no one wants to be with. You know, <laughs> so taking out the competition for overexposure, right? Yeah. And, and then they, they themselves are in committed relationships uh, with, I guess you would say, the high value types. So that was a that was it, look, it is, of, you know, it is a it is a real devil's bargain. You know, I mean, Satan is a mammal. It's a real devil's bargain because. Who doesn't want, you know, like that old great big sea song, Consequence Free? Like, who doesn't want to live that life of, what, what, what's what Erica Young called, um, in the book called, it's an old book now, called The Fear of Flying, the zipless fuck, right? So it's this, the sex where nobody's zipper gets stuck, uh, nobody's pants, nobody trips over their pants. It's just like this perfect, amazing, you know, consequence free, uh, sexual, whatever, right? Everybody wants that. I mean, because mm -hmm. we're human, right? We're, we're mammals, right? So we, we want that. And, and that's devilish. And that's a real temptation. And it hooks into the dopamine system. It hooks into the sexual hormone system. It hooks into the erection system. It hooks into, like, just, just do it now, man. Just do it. Do it. Do it. You know, that kind of the great instigator, right? Just do it. And it's that Sheila LaBeouf and some gif and all that, right? And it's really tempting. Mm -hmm. You know, people to say, dangle, dangle, dangle. Um, it's, uh, it's really tempting. And... Uh, you know, cheap sex is the junk food of society. You know, it, it satisfies you in the moment, but it, man, it'll it'll mess you up in the long run. All right. Well, thanks for the call, man. I really really appreciate doing? it. And uh, let's do one more. And um, yeah, trend humanity. I don't know what that means, so I'm sorry. I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna dive into that. But uh, Brendan, Brendan, are you with me, brother? I, I heard the beep and I didn't hear you. you just like went right over it. I was like, I you heard the beep because I was cussing okay. up a storm. Anyway, go on. Okay, do you know what my question is? No, I, I really couldn't uh, tell you what it was. I mean, there's some stuff here, but it's okay. not great. Well, I'm listening to your podcast and I just heard you talk about, uh, I'm at like a thousand something, but I heard you talking about Richard Linklater and you said he was an excellent propagandist. And I'm kind of into film and all that. I'm trying to do it myself. And uh, I'm just wondering, what were your what were your thoughts on Richard Linklater? Like, you call him an excellent propagandist. So I'm assuming he had some sort of Marxist perspective, or like, well, what's what were your thoughts on him? Richard Linklater, the movie you guy. Know, he's a filmmaker. You know, you know him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me just uh, let me just pull him up here. Boyhood. I was. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He did Boyhood, right? Yeah, you know what? It's so funny. I actually, um, uh, so Boyhood is a pretty wild film. Um, so Boyhood is a movie that was shot over 12 years and is 12 years in the life of people. And it takes a boy all the way from being in his boyhood to being an adult. And it is, yeah, he is, he is a very good propagandist. So I'm, I'm talking with some memory here. I had a whole bunch of notes. I watched the movie. I had a whole bunch of notes about the movie. And, and I was going to do a whole review and, and dig deep and delve into it. And for the life of me, I cannot remember where you those notes. I couldn't find the notes. I, and, and I'm like, oh, I could watch it again. But I mean, I'm always so busy. That it's really hard to circle back to a movie that's a couple of years old. So, you know. 
did you, did you see the movie, and what did you think? Fire thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually did like a whole video essay on like the mom and how she. It was when I was getting into free domain radio, and uh, like I was, I wanted to start like making content like based sort of in that philosophical perspective on relationships and that kind of thing. And I made like a whole essay on this thing about how the mother is portrayed this entire this entire time as a sympathetic figure, all these bad guys, and they're like, oh, she's such a victim. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's okay, so. that is that's really the essence of the movie. That um, all the movies where the guys are bad, and even if they're occasionally portrayed sympathetically, like Ethan Hawke is is such a charismatic actor that he almost can't pull off a villain. Like he 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 just he just can't. Like Denzel Washington, that guy can pull off a villain, even though he also has oodles of charisma. But I don't think Ethan Hawke. He has just too much charisma, and and he's also too good looking to really pull off a villain. But yeah, the the mom is, you know, just always trying to do the best thing and always trying to help people and then these monster men just come in and nuke her life and just abuse her and and it's uh you know, it's terrible. It's it's um it's wretched. And so the w- woman in peril is a fundamentally socialist trope, right? This goes all the way back to the communist manifesto where Marx was talking about how the right. aristocrats used to just be able to rape with impunity, right? So women in peril, women who are victims, yeah. women who are helpless, uh, women who are, you know, they just try and help everyone, but they just get taken advantage of by these terrible men. You see that stuff, you know, Lefty. And I actually looked up Linklater, and um, if memory serves, you know, he, he's, he's donated quite a bit to the Democrats, right? So this is just a, uh, a, a kind of leftist a trope, uh, a leftist cliché. And the only way that uh, any man is acceptable is if he really displays no characteristics of masculinity like the boy when he grows up. Right uh, and and uh, he's walking down a canyon. Oh yeah, yeah. He's all sensitive that's, that's and touchy feely. Sorry, kid. go ahead. Oh no, I was, I was agreeing with you. You said like he became an emo kid, or he's kind of just passive. Like yeah, I guess. You know what I mean? He doesn't turn into like a man. He's kind of he's not really like his dad too much, but he's he's kind of like a servant of his mom. Like especially at the end there, where you know when she's like in her like mid forties or so, and at the end she's like. I just thought there would be something more. Like she's the victim of this whole situation of her family. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, there was that scene where that? she's yeah, she's really bitter. Oh yeah, she's really bitter because oh, now her son's yeah. moving out and she's facing life alone. Why? Because she chose these total assholes to to be with, and you're supposed to have all this sympathy for her. Like I don't know how it is possible that that, that people accept this fantasy that, that life just happens to women and they're just, they're like leaves on a stream and it's like, man, you know, it's funny, you know, uh, this is another reason why I did the whole Twitter Wars thing. I want people to see how ferociously women fight for their power. You know, when I was doing the lipstick thing on Twitter and I did the heels, I'm like, man, women were coming at me like, like they're coming in hot, man. They were coming in full guns blazing. Don't tell me life just happens to these women. You criticize lipstick, and they're calling in airstrikes on your gonads from Jupiter. You know, women, life doesn't just oh, yeah, happen to women. Women fight ferociously for their power and their mystique and their juice in the world. And it's what I wanted, I wanted people to see. Like, women weren't like, oh, well, you know, some, some white male patriarch has told me something about lipstick. I guess I'd better... I, I just better accept it because I'm under his eye and I'm just a help. You didn't see any of that crap. Women were coming at me like, you know, with knuckle dusters and, and Harleys and, and, you know, Mel Gibson in a drunken rage. Wow, that's okay. One, one of those is too scary. 
Did you imagine you were a feminist Twitter, per, uh, like a blue, a feminist blue check mark? You said something about men, and men came at you like that. That would be like the headline <laughs> of every single <laughs> right, yeah. newspaper. They'd be like, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Look listen, this, let what me. What happened to this woman on Twitter? <laughs> oh yeah, could you imagine <laughs> if uh, if uh, you know someone, uh, some woman posted something about men and and cars, and and people started mocking her vagina and her capacity to be attractive and. All this kind of garbage. I mean, it would be uh, it would be completely crazy. I mean, people would be shocked and appalled. And and no, listen, women, women, women fight like hell for what they want. I mean, this is what nagging is, right? And and I'm not characterizing all of what women do to fight for what they want is is nagging and all of that. But oh yeah, you But yeah, they you know don't 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 picture for a moment that life just happens to women uh, at all, at all. Uh, you know, man, I mean, women fight like hell for what they want. So then when they end up feeling all kinds, oh, they're so victim, we're such a victim and all that, it's like, oh, that's complete nonsense. It's absolutely false. And and I'll sort of give you an example here, right? So in Canada, there's this woman, she's called Climate Barbie. Her name is um, uh, McKenna, uh, Catherine McKenna. Uh, so there's a, some, something from CBC, which is the government... Cody, prostitute broadcaster. And the CBC says, threats abuse move from online to real world. McKenna now requires security. Right? So Environment Minister Catherine McKenna says she was recently walking outside. Let me finish. Was recently walking outside a movie theater with her children when a car slowly pulled up to a stop beside them. The driver rolled down his window and he let fly. F you, climate Barbie, he shouted as she tried to back away from his car and get her kids away from him. Right, so uh, much has been written about the online abuse and threatening behavior of politicians, especially female politicians, and others in the public eye face every day. But McKenna says, as the heat around climate change continues to grow, that abuse is going from anonymous online vitriol to terrifying in-person verbal assaults, right? Well, uh, let me tell you something, man. Uh, Canadian media, Canadian media didn't have much to say when I had to speak under threat of bomb threats. Canadian media sided to a large degree with leftist lunatics who attacked a church, shut down my speech, my legal right to free speech. They, they had nothing bad to say about any of that. And in fact, the media as a whole has been regularly, in my view, working to help instigate violence against me by calling me the most extreme names that you can call someone, right? That there's a clear, to me at least, is a clear call to just crazy people to, to target me and, and all that, right? So, so this is the fun, so I, I'm a man and, and when me, when, when me, the Canadian media doesn't like me, so when I was getting threats, not only were they fine with it, but to my mind, some members of them actually poured some gasoline on the fire. Right? They weren't saying, this is appalling. This guy just wants to come and exercise his free speech. We may not agree with everything he says. We may disagree with a lot of what he says. But man, we've got to have free speech. We can't shut down free speech with violence. No, they loved it when I was shut down. They loved it when I was threatened. They loved it when people who wanted to host my speeches were threatened. But now you see someone they like is being threatened. And it's terrible. It's awful she's such a victim. Well, 
live in the fucking world you made. That's why you stand on principle. That's why you defend the free speech of people you disagree with. So that you have a leg to stand on when someone you like is threatened. I don't like the threats against this woman. I think it's wrong and I think these people who make those threats, if they're death threats or anything like that, should be prosecuted. And she should have the right to say what she wants to say, even though I disagree with her enormously. That's called standing on principle. So when yeah. the media didn't like someone, shutting them down and threatening them, they seemed pretty okay with that. But now that that same principle, and, and look, people, the bad people are watching all this stuff, right? And they're saying, oh, uh, is, is society standing on principle around free speech? No? Okay. All right. Well, then there's no principle. Because now nobody believes the media who's got a half a brain now that they're shocked and appalled at this terrible behavior that people are doing against this woman. But they certainly can't say that they have any philosophical, principle, moral commitment to free speech. They burned that bridge many, many years ago. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really sad, this victimization stuff. All right. So I guess that's it for me then. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And uh, listen, thanks everyone for, um, for the chat. I really, really appreciate the conversation tonight. Please, please don't forget, help out the show. You know, it's, it's an expensive time in the show. Got documentaries, got out of studio travel, uh, got a big new website upgrade. And, and it's just, you know, there's times in your life when you can save. And then there's times in your life where it just feels like you're hemorrhaging money. But it's all for a good cause and, and all of that. There's no uh, gold in the May seats in my, in my little studio here. But um, if you can help out, please, please, my friends, uh, free domain dot com forward slash donate freedomain.com forward slash donate i would really 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 appreciate that and uh, thanks of course everyone who showed up for the premiere tonight fdrul.com forward slash ca to check out the uh, uh the show i'm so sorry for those who did not uh, get a chance to chat today but uh i don't know if i'm going to set this up on a regular basis or or just i'll announce it on twitter or whatever but um yeah thanks everyone so much have yourselves a wonderful wonderful evening and i'll talk to you soon